I fell into a ring of fire. I fell in. Welcome to Fever FM. Tonight, we'll be meeting some old names, some new names, and a bit of everything in between. Um, let's start off with the intros. We're joined again by old in the zone, was it football analyst for News uh, news Talk? Or is it Radio Sport? I can never remember, Dale. Well, Radio Sport's long, long, Radio Sport's long gone. I don't, know, I don't know what generation you are. It's at least three years gone. You can take news talks every okay, day. Fair enough. Um, that is the dulcet tones of uh, Dale, former In The Zone member. Uh, I'm joined by two former uh, other podcasters. Cam, you want to say hi? Good evening. Everyone should remember me. I yes, hope. my former alum from uh, Phoenix City and also former alum. Dave, hello. You've gone on mute, mate. Oh, so I have. Okay. Hello, hello. That's a first snafu, yeah. <laughs> Solid start. You know you're on fire here. That's, uh, that's a pretty amateur hour to start with, mate. <laughs> I, I feel like Dale secretly has the power to mute us because I swear I didn't do that. <laughs> start how you want to. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, Stitch well, the bar's up. been set light, yeah. nice and low for all of us and um, with no segue there. Hello, Tracy. It's good to have you back. Hi, guys. That was that was brief. Let's crack on and just get into it, I think. Uh, start off with, um, we had a bit of a cup run for the uh, gents team. Interesting little segue into Australian football and uh, some interesting camera angles. How much did we all see? Some, but not all. Dale, why don't you tell us? Uh, I saw, I saw, I saw bits. Um, I saw most of the thing Melbourne City game. I think I maybe watched it on replay actually after the result because I was a bit nervous about how that was going to go. Um, the Mac- MacArthur <laughs> game. Uh, I don't know how much anyone saw based on this. I don't, if anyone said that a player played well or badly based on that camera view, I'd tell them they're lying because I couldn't tell any person apart. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's always it's preseason, so you you want to decide whether it was good depending on the results or whether you know you don't care about preseason results if the results have gone gone badly. But they seem to have done pretty well with with loads of players not playing. I guess uh, you know players coming in still. Um, David Ball hasn't been spotted yet, um, and obviously a couple of players cut tight as well. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, Dave, uh, do you know much about some of these uh, lesson? Well, I don't want to say lesser names. Some of the younger younger players. I, I certainly haven't seen them uh, playing around the club scene. Not, not particularly. I mean, there's a few of them who we know a bit about, but they're the ones we kind of know a bit about. You know, Van Haddam's been around for a while and guys like that. But I, I guess for me watching these these cup games, you know, we, we never really care about the cup in terms of going deep in that competition. We can never have a home game in it. So generally we've just treated it a bit like some extra preseason games. And um, I think treating it like that, you, you watch those games and there seemed to be some decent stuff going on for how kind of early we are in preseason when we first started playing there. There were, there were some flashes of some good play. Some of the new signings looked pretty handy, but the combinations weren't there. We weren't kind of putting it together for long periods. It was little little glimpses of what might be to come. And, and I think from what I saw, the glimpses mostly looked pretty good, but you still knew there was a lot of work to come. You know, it, it, the combinations weren't there. People weren't um, on the same wavelength. And, and that was particularly true with having to throw a few of the younger kids in there as well, with, as Dale said, some people out tied and, and still signings to make for some of these games as well. So, yeah, I, I thought the signs were promising, but it very much looked like... I probably um, sold you guys under the bus by not actually mentioning the results here. Uh, first game was uh, Devonport City. That was an interesting camera angle. I think we were almost subterranean at one stage. Uh, I actually really like that because that's how I watch most games, from like that really low sidelines angle. So it was actually just, just like being in a game for me. It was fine. It's why, why your takes are so poor so often, Cam. Yeah, bro. It's fucking A. And, and, and it's a narrow, little narrow viewfinder as well, so I'm missing everything else. In context I was thinking it's probably it. about the same angle as the Tracy Hodge Memorial stand at... Um, Centennial. It's that beautiful height. 
Centennial. Centennial. It's always <laughs> you are showing your age, centennial bro. To me. Uh, so four 0 against Devonport City. That was a nice tidy result. Two uh, one turnover of Melbourne City. The big spenders obviously not spending enough. I'm sure they'll rectify that before the season starts. And then unfortunately, uh, Macarthur turned us over. Um, this. I thought those first two games were actually pretty reasonable. Um, I, I thought, considering how early we were in the season and bringing in a couple of new players um, like Crave, I thought he was pretty sound for a guy that probably doesn't know anyone and it just turned up. Um, against MacArthur, though, we didn't look like we knew what we were doing. Um, Davila, man, he was good in that. There's a tall kid, um, Carter, that was an absolute handful. I mean, he got over the top of um, Laws and uh, the English centre-back whose name is gone Wooten, thank you yeah, got over them all day Um, did anyone else see much of that uh, MacArthur game, because I I must admit I was about to flip the table over a couple of times yeah, I thought thought we were just outplayed, they were a bit aside, perhaps further along in their pre-season, they might have had some more games and Davila just showed the absolute class that he is, so yeah, I wasn't again, it's pre-season as we talked, I wasn't overly concerned there's again, there's stuff in there that looked okay, but the final third wasn't firing that night whatsoever Um, yeah, so I wouldn't take too many too much away from that game other than it got some more minutes into the legs before we actually kick yep. an angle into um, so there were some friendlies played uh, in the meantime, there was a 2-0 win over the Miramar Rangers side and 2-0 loss to the Mariners a 3-0 win versus the Jets and then a 3-0 draw versus the Jets uh, looked like there's a lot of minutes for some of the younger people based on the names on the score sheet obviously no footage um, not much to be read into it um, so bit of a shame we lost that quarterfinal because given the other semi-finals we could have uh, it would have been right for, for going on the, yeah. on the full the full distance so it's really opened up for you know Brisbane there and the two NBL sides and the other one escapes me MacArthur. <laughs> yeah, obviously, MacArthur. <laughs> raising the bar, raising the bar. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of like that there's two NPL sides still in it. I mean, I don't really have much skin in the game. It's kind of nice to see uh, some of the smaller clubs getting a bit of a run through. The problem is that with the comp, though, it's weighted, so there's at least one NPL yeah. team that makes the semi finals. Not, 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 not anymore. Not anymore. Is it a full semis, random no. draw? No. Yeah. It's yeah, see, if it's full random draw, then I'm all, all aboard with it. It's fantastic. Could you get three of them in there for all I care? They, they still they still force some of the A League sides to play each other early. Force some yeah. some A League sides to be knocked out, knocked out. But it, it, it's more random than it used to be. Um, yeah, but yeah, so I mean, full yeah. random, all good. And if they make it, fantastic. The likelihood is when twelve of the teams, twelve of the what thirty two teams are A League teams anyway, you get they're going to draw each other early enough, and they, they are going to knock each other out as well. So it's yeah. still a strong possibility you'll get at least one or two MPL teams through to the semi final. So yeah, just no. full random is better. And and as you say, Dale, I think I think the competition was wide open. I mean, much as much as Frosty and Cam are saying, MacArthur absolutely played us off the field. I, I thought we were in that game. I mean, they certainly would be decided to deserve to win. But this wasn't this wasn't some kind of totally dominant performance. They had some good chances and they scored them. But we had chances as well, and, and we just didn't score. Uh, the final third let us down. But I think we actually played some good football in there. We defended them pretty well for pretty long patches, and we created good chances too. And just no one was there to finish them. This could easily have been a game that finished three two to either side, in my opinion. We just didn't. Have oh, to I, I would actually agree with you on the final third thing. I think that was just where we where we leaked down. They they handled our attack really nicely, and we. Uh, unfortunately, with the class yeah. that have gotten guys like Davila, you only need to give him a sniff once, and he'll he'll set something up or score yeah. one. He, he's a yeah. It still bugs me that we lost him, but say Uh So we probably crack on because um, there's not much to talk about without footage and good viewing of this. But it feels good the squad as it's come together. Um, we should probably look at who's gone, who's uh, who's come in. So 
uh, transfers out. We'll start with there. Uh, Gary Cooper has gone and got himself um, mutual mutual termination. Uh, I'm sure he was thanked profusely. Um, he got a gig somewhere else, and I, I can't remember where. Uh, Louis Fenton has retired, which, uh, judging by his shoulders, is probably not a day too soon. It's a shame. He... He's, actually, he's actually playing over uh, in uh, Perth. Oh, was it Perth? I thought he was in yeah, Brisbane. Yeah, I thought he was in Australia. Sure? He's in okay. Australia. I can be outvoted. I'm comfortable with that. He's in Australia. Yeah. I think he went to Australia to study, right? And he's, he's buying some yeah. NBL or something while he's there. Isn't he at the Brisbane Lions or something? Yeah, yeah. I think that's right. He's retired, quote unquote. Uh, Matthew bosanovsky has gone back to uh, victory after his loan deal. I don't know that that's tremendous loss. Uh, James McGarry... Um, has been let go. He, uh, Gail Sandoval was that was the end of his loan. Uh, Josh Saterio, uh it's saying unattached, but I believe he went to um, Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle, yeah, yeah, he did go to Newcastle. The same with James McGarry went to Newcastle That's as well, well, which is an interesting one, given that he's in a, a foreign spot on a, um, a backup left back. No. Oh, let's let's loop round and get round this um, once we've seen the ins and outs. Uh, Curtis Mogg has okay. uh, the end of his contract. George Ott. This isn't too surprising. I think they were released for um, playing some football at the lower levels. Uh, Reno Piscopo also going to the Jets. Uh, on the way in, we had Stephen Agarkovic. Uh, didn't get any cup games. Cup tied. Costa Barbarusis. Um, play. Some of the fans may remember him from previous times and trips around uh, Wellington. Uh, Lucas Moragas, uh, a lone player. For, a, a fullback line player from the Jets, which is kind of weird with the with the McGarry situation. Uh, Bozidar Krajev, uh, he's a Bulgarian nas- national team player. Uh, it says he's uh, been playing for Michelin, but he came up through the Bulgarian scene. Jan Sass from um, Brazil, and a Polish striker called Oskar Zawada, who I don't think we've cited yet. So Zawada, uh, we haven't seen much, anything really of yet. Uh Maragas, I don't think he's got on the field, certainly not in a, in a, um, a televised game. Yeah, he's cup-tied. Ugarkovic uh, also cup-tied, but we know kind of what he's about, I think. Uh, Costa Barbarusis, I'm sure we've seen the odd game with him playing. Uh, but Bozidar Krajev and Jan Sass, uh, I like the look of Krajev. I, I thought he was a really, really solid player. It looked like he was maybe just not quite finding his feet, but he looked like he knew what he wanted to do and wanted just to fit in and had really good rounded skill set. I mean, what did you all think of him? Trace, did you see much of him? I'm going to be honest. I didn't really watch any of those matches. Um, late night football is not for me during the winter season. Like I've got other commitments and it makes me very sleepy. Um, so the, I the some... other commitments or the football? <laughs> well, could be arguments for both there. Um, so, yes, I admittedly haven't watched much of You're uh, really not getting matches. into the podcast flow. This is when you lie blatantly about it and just pick a side and go with it. Yeah. Uh, I think he looked like good. Did he look good, Dave? Okay, please expand. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, no, he just he looked strong on the ball. He had good touches. He he seemed to seemed to be playing probably more like he'd been part of the squad than some of the guys who actually have been part of the squad, to be honest. He just he just kind of seemed to be in there and, and on a good wavelength. I, I think some of the other players weren't quite linking up with him, but he was he was playing good balls, he was making good runs. He looked strong and he looked like he wanted to be involved. I think I think it was a, a really promising start from him. But it's, it's interesting to note, looking back at his last couple of seasons, he's he's not really a 90-minute player. You're lucky if you get kind of 60 minutes out of him. He's, he's off the bench a lot and he needs to be subbed off a lot, which, based on what I saw, I was thinking, shit, this guy looks like a bit of a workhorse. But... If we trust his, his performances in the last couple of clubs, that's not the role they were using him. He, he was, yeah, definitely fewer minutes. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. And he looked like, to me, in the A-League, he's going to have some impact. If he's, if he's dropping a level, if he's dropping a level to the A-League, I don't, I don't understand how 
the Bulgarian, I think assuming he was playing in Bulgaria, how that... No, he was playing in uh, Denmark most recently, but he just wasn't playing. He was just... Yeah, but see, that's the point, right? Denmark is a higher level than the A-League. There's no argument there. So, um, yeah, if he's dropping down a level, it may be this is his level. Yeah, I mean, there's probably a question about is he is he playing less minutes because he's not the best Pure. player in the team or is he playing Pure. less minutes because he's not fit enough? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's probably, I mean, I'm not going to comment on his fitness, but I mean, yeah, he's played in the, in the Super League in Denmark and also at Portugal's top division. And no doubt that they are, they are better than, than ours. So, um, you know, maybe he just, he was, you know, the quality was just a bit too much for him and he's a bit more of a, you know, a second choice across those, you know, those last few years. But he's definitely got a, a, you know, a pretty decent pedigree. Yeah. Um, in a, decent, in a decent age as well. I think he's a great signing. Eh? I'm, I'm really like he's what is it, mid 20s? He comes with what 20 odd Bulgarian 25, yeah. yeah, mid 25 Bulgarian caps yeah. or something like that as well. It's um, he's he's yeah, he's a really interesting. It's really interesting that we've attracted someone who's effectively starting the prime of their career rather than being at the tail end. Yeah. You know, like we do tend to pick up guys who are in their 30s and coming to the end of their career. It's nice that we picked up someone who's obviously trying to rebuild it and go forward with it. So, yeah, it's yeah. a really good signing. I, I, had really a, I had a look at his um, highlights package, and the thing that impressed me was, obviously it's all about the goals, but he was scoring them left foot, right foot, and with his head. His head he's actually got a really cultured head, not a booming header, but really good control. Um, doesn't mind a pump from outside, um, which I didn't see in the games that he was playing. So it kind of shows that he's adaptable. He's not just kind of, I've got one style and that's it. I thought that was kind of what impressed. Any, any view on the, the man bun that he Well, it's he a football rocks? thing, right? And also my son has one, so I really can't criticise. Takes after the old man, yeah. does he? A weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a few of them now. Like, uh, Ruth has probably got one. I think, uh, wasn't nah, Ruth Lewis rocking it the last last game as well? And I think uh, old Oscar Zawara, I think he's he rocks one as well. So we, we've got a... Got a bit of a group going, I think. <laughs> we'll get t-shirts. Um, anyone have any opinions on Jan Sats? I didn't really see enough to kind of say anything. I mean, he, he looks like a guy who's looking for a foul. Um, he, he go like yes. even his highlights really goes down pretty easy. But the reality is, in, in most of those highlights, he is getting fouled. You know, he's 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 there, he's getting kicked, and it's because he's got quick feet and he's he's running at players with the ball at his feet, using his pace, using his tricks. It'll be interesting to see how that goes in the A League because we know this is a league where he might just get kicked all day and never get a foul and if that happens to him it's going to be a very bad season for him but if he's if he's clever enough and get some of those fouls like a thomas broish did we actually could get some mileage out of that and, and the brief stint we saw from him looked reasonable like he, he was he was full of some running and, and kind of intent it wasn't quite clicking though and it wasn't a particularly you know large number of minutes he got he was out there for 10 or 15 and you know it, it looked like someone who was running on for the first time i remember when um Roly came, Roly Bonavazia came. The very first game, he was the same. He, look, he was looking for a foul at any contact and learned pretty quickly that this kind of crowd does not take kindly to a player doing that kind of shit. We just don't, it isn't the kind of thing that we would like uh, in, in a player. And he stopped doing it pretty fast. This might happen with Jan Sass, and I hope it does. Because if he is looking for fouls, the crowd is not going to be happy. I mean, the, the opposition might not be, but if he gets if he wins free kicks in good spots and stuff, I don't think if it's a genuine foul, much, you know? yes, yeah. genuine foul, yes. But if he's yeah. looking for it and it's going down easy, our fans aren't going to take that. Like <laughs> I say, you look back at Thomas Broish, Carlos Hernandez, those guys, you know, they were getting kicked, but they were still going down easy too to earn the free kick. I, I think there's a there's a balance there, and and so long as you get the balance right, it's not a problem. If you're blatantly diving, even your own fans are going to boo you, and we haven't seen yet which side of that that coin he lands on. I guess. Yeah. I, I guess what. Is I guess interesting is he, he seems to like try to take on fullbacks, which I don't think we've really had yeah. a lot of. And he, I mean, Rena kind of did it a bit last year, but was was a little bit of a bit part player. But he he does look like to try to beat a player and get in behind. And you know, he's hasn't really played much in the last few years, but he has kind of played yeah. that kind of lower, you know, 
top division in Brazil, which is, you know, nothing to sniff at. Um, and if you look at like someone like Pena from from Newcastle last year, he was playing Serie B. So you kind of use that as a benchmark. Then you know you you hope that he's uh, you know he's maybe a little bit better uh, or as good as. People kind of recall the days of of you know the A League where players used to get signed based off on YouTube videos or or whatnot. But you, you kind of get the impression these days the club and um, the coaches put in a lot of hours of watching yeah. you know full games of these players um, before signing them. We've been talking to yeah, them. We mm. I think it'll be interesting to see where we land on how we use him because if we if we look at his career he's he's actually had a lot more appearances off the bench than he's ever had starts i think he's something like 40 starts and 60 appearances off the bench um he's clearly been used as kind of that impact sub you know bring him on get him running at, at tired legs in the defense and, and have some impact there um which obviously playing in brazil that was the role he had whether we intend to use him in a similar fashion here i'm not sure but it could be a valid tactic right but it, it's also interesting if that is what we're thinking we want out of him is you know bring him on at 60 minute mark to run at defenders using your international spot on that is maybe maybe a slight question mark particularly since he's a bit untested um, in the league but it'll be interesting to see where it lands this, this, the signing of these strikers actually brings to mind for me what are we doing with Ben Wayne because he may end up filling that exact same role because theoretically you've signed with David Ball you've signed three more attacking options um, Costa, Sass and Krajev oh, four actually because the Polish striker as well so you've got five guys up the top four of whom are import players um, plus Costa Barbarossis where does Wayne fit in that is he going to be the 60 minute player because I can't see him actually getting too many minutes and this is the year I thought he would be getting a lot um, of minutes so. I I think um, we'll circ- I think maybe we circle back to that that whole thing in a couple of seconds because um, I, I really want to ask um, which cost of barbarous we think we're going to get because I think that that plays into the next question. Oh, there's stunned silence. I think this is a we don't know or we don't want to say. It's. I mean, hopefully we don't get the one the the Phoenix had last time round. Um, I don't think we will. I think that's. I think the view of how he was last time is overly harsh, I reckon, because that was a time when it was coming to the end of Ernie's tenure, and Ernie had set up, um, you know, Roy and Costa as a sort of front two, and did we, is it that we yep. had Finkler sitting behind? Was it maybe at that yep. stage? And Finkler was well past his best, and I feel like that whole thing just played into the the whole team was doing wasn't set up well as a unit unit, and I think people reflected that on Costa, um, and with the big money tag that was was bandied around him that he got unfairly maligned because of that so um yeah he's coming off a, a year previous year where he's been into quite a bit but you know he's a he's a quality elite player like most teams would you know if he wasn't a foreign spot would be would be lining up i reckon to maybe not line up but would would, would definitely have him as part of their books whether how he fits into you know if he's set up is, is maybe a different different question where they seem up front or maybe a little bit wider well, I, think, yeah. I suppose i mean he does play um the two 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 right so theoretically he's going to be playing wide-ish or playing that right-hand channel with what well, Sass playing or the Polish guy playing the left-hand channel. I can't see him playing for the back end that midfield role where I think no. Ball will fill into the 10 with Krajev. I think that's where those two will play. So, yeah, he's, he's going to be playing up front fighting with Sass and the Polish man. Uh, Zawada. Um, I, I think that, but circling back to the fact that, um, as Dale mentions, we haven't seen Ball yet. And I think that that's slightly concerning. Um, and there is... Well, based on his Instagram, he, he had, he's been in Wellington the whole time and hasn't gone to Australia once yet, which is yeah. which is very very concerning. That a it's not even just a fitness thing; it's a he's not even training at the moment because otherwise he mm. would have gone across with them. So it's obviously um, something yeah. substantial. And, and, 
Well, we know his injury was pretty rough last year, right? And he, he obviously had to nurse through that pretty hard. And as you say, the fact he's not even training, hasn't traveled, would suggest there must be some ongoing yeah. stuff from that, right? There's no other way around it either. Either the injury was always worse than we kind of knew about, or he's done a new injury during the off-season or something like that, you know? Did he no end up having around. surgery on that toe, though? Wasn't that I, I always was under the impression that he was getting surgery on the toe um, during the off-season, but... Has, did that not happen? Was it that not? Was that just me thinking like that? I'm not sure. I mean, I think it was hinted at, but I, I don't know that we've heard anything around him having had surgery. So again, that could be the answer: is maybe he had it, and, and we just don't know about it yet. And they're, they're keeping it under wraps. Maybe that comes back to the, the Ben Wayne powers he used because if, if David Ball's, you know, we're what, a month out, and if David Ball has a run around the field this year, you know, at all, then I guess that gives a big open wide berth for thirty. Well, there are rumours circling well. that um, Coventry City were looking at him. I'm not sure whether that's a, a well, I mean, agent talking up or what but yeah it normally is um but yeah. it had been circulated around to the commentary crew so you'd hope that at least some due diligence was being done i, I can't see it myself commentary city's a massive jump um and i think he'd be mad to go unless he was kind of get going to be getting minutes at least here he's in the shot window i don't think that's a massive jump not not where coventry currently sits not a massive point. jump i think it's pretty it's pretty not at all i don't think it's a jump at all i just think it's pretty consistent with the level um, maybe, maybe slightly down. Well, maybe three years ago it'd be slightly down. Maybe I was more meaning it was a, so um, a massive down. risk in that he's going to a new league where he has to start again as a, basically as a foreigner. Um, I, I'm not sure if he's got a passport or not, but certainly I know from um, previous players that have gone over to England, they, they've unless you, unless you're a local boy, you kind of you have to work twice as hard. That was always the experience I got told about. Um, does it or does it look like he's like tanked up a bit? Like he's, he's I mean, but yeah, he is. Yeah, having been down at training. He yeah, I mean, what is he, 20? I mean, he's probably still filling out. It's probably the same thing they had with um, Sapreet as well, where there definitely was a period there where he'd hit that point of development where his biggest drawback was still that he, he was so little and could get bullied a bit. So the, the same thing happened with Sapreet, where they basically sent him to the gym and said, you're doing a lot more weights than everyone else. We need to bulk you up. And I think Wayne probably got put on the same, where, you know, you need to be able to hold yourself um, a bit more than just being a little kid who gets pushed around. And, you know, it's fine when you're 16. It's not so fine when you're 20. Some grinders for him though, right? His preseason's been fantastic. He had a great run in the, in the cup. He looks fantastic scoring goals. So uh, yeah, I think um, it's probably mm. done. Well. Yeah, I, I thought he was uh, looking um, looking decent. Uh, how they how they fit in? I'm really still not sure because I mean, there's a lot of overseas visa players who you'd be kind of expecting to start. Uh, Sass, uh, Zavada, uh, but I just haven't seen enough to go. Yeah, yeah, nail down starters or nail down you know impact players or whatever it is. Crave yeah. definitely. Hands down, I think he's probably going to be the most central attacker we've got. Costa, who knows, depends on what his form is. Um, I think Crave probably starts at 10. Oh, yeah. Ball's still out. I think even if Ball's there, Crave starts at 10. I think the way that Ufi's been talking about Zawada as well, you've got to assume he's starting at 9. You know, they've Mm. signed him as a 9. They've talked him up as a 9. They've given him the 9. I think he's surely in the plan. You're starting 9. Um, it's who's starting alongside him that's the question and and if he doesn't pan out obviously you'll go to plan B but I don't think they've signed him to be any surely if you're playing a big man you're playing little man like Barbarossus next to him and it means that Wayne is going to be the surplus to requirements which feels harsh on Wayne but yeah vice versa and and where does um Jan Sass fit into that as well you know there's yeah questions right good questions though like problems to hear both oh absolutely yeah, if they could all remain fit, you know, like I think part of the problem we had last year is, you know, Renat Piscopo, I think when I looked at it, played 53% of the minutes all season, which is just not what you want from your, you know, your number one, you know, attacking outlet. If he plays more, we go much deeper into the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. This Zawada guy looks like an interesting, well, he does, but he looks like an interesting signing. Like, 
you can't look at his record and he just sort of bounced around a lot of places hasn't really found himself but you can imagine if he spotted something in the tapes somewhere that has said yeah. this guy is, is yeah. for us i mean when he was in, when he was in poland i think he scored every every 270 minutes which is you know one every three games which would be about a 10 goal season i suppose equivalent that'd be right. not that'd, too bad that'd, all right for a league yeah i mean that. um Ufi was very explicit about what he wanted. He wanted a big man to push bodies because we just don't have that in the front third. Same. <laughs> Sorry, I said same. Yes, you did in stunned silence. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the off season we'll get Ufi to do your scouting for you. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll get you an account on to, was it Scout? You can, you can, you come, you can come with me to training next week yep. and, and I'll introduce you. Just remember, 100 yards back, please. Looping, looping back to the football, though, I think I think the reality is, with this signing, I look at it on paper, I'm not wowed by the signing at all, right? I, I look at it and I think, eh, he could go all right, but it seems like a gamble. But as, as you've hinted at, Dale, I think Ufi, to date, has basically not had a miss in terms of his foreign signings. He's he's done incredibly well at picking up no-name players that no one's ever heard of. And they've it's all only been Sandoval. So been... I look at it, so, uh, and even he wasn't bad, right? Like compared to compared yep. to A League misses, he played a lot of minutes. He scored some goals. I mean, to be honest, he was he was a pretty reasonable player. He just wasn't as good as the other ones we had. But I look at this and go, you know what? On paper, it doesn't look that great. But I trust Ufi, and I'll, I'll wait to see him on the field because I yeah. I mean, we all said to Villa looked dog shit when we saw him those first couple of times out, and how wrong were we? Um, those those preseason games where he just looked like he'd never kicked a football before. We were we were yeah ready to sack him. But Ufi was right. We were wrong. We haven't even seen this one, so I'm, I'm going to hope for the best. There's also the element of competition. So we're talking about the conundrum that we have. So maybe, like, yes, he doesn't come to us with, like, a super amazing background, but now he's in an environment where there's so much pressure and, like, for, you know, jostling for spots on the park that he has to step up um, and so we can get the best out of him that way. Absolutely, yeah. And Ufi clearly gets the best out of his players. I think we see that across the park. I also want to give a bit of credit to Sean Gill for some of those signings as well, because he has a big part to play in some of that. And, uh, do, do, you should, um, yeah. <laughs> do you reckon he does? What do you reckon he does? What do you reckon his job is in the transfer market? <laughs> In the transfer market, uh, yeah. I reckon he spends a lot of time finding players. You reckon? I'm not. I'm not gonna... I, I I agree with Cam here, but I don't want to give Gilly too many big ups here because I know Gilly's also been involved in some yeah. of the worst signings too. He, so he, I, I think he, he does have a big hand in identifying players, but I think the thing we're seeing with Ufi is once he's given that kind of shortlist, he's his you know throwing the dart at the board is hitting better names than some of the other coaches in the past did. But obviously, there is a huge amount of work that goes in pulling together that list to start with, right? And Gilly does do a lot of that and who knows maybe maybe there are a couple of seasons there where Gilly had really good winners on the board and the coaches didn't pick him yeah well I think if you say like, like a couple of seasons ago like they start with like 300 names or something and, and doing it down and I'm sure that's where you know Sean Gill's doing the first cut of yay nay but I'm sure once it gets down to like 30 I don't think he's got much the final word is 100% Ufis, definitely yeah. 100% Ufis, but the uh, the uh, yard the hard yard work goes to... Speaking Gilly. of hard yard work, we probably should get into the midfield. Uh, Rufa, still brought... I, I want to drop my oh. one fact I researched first. After that segue, you... Jan Sass. It was a great segue too. Jan, Jan Sass and Kraev are born one day apart. Just yeah. FYI, same year, both in June, you, one you day apart. You burned that segue for that. Yeah, absolutely. Screw absolutely. you, hippie. So the beer... The beers at training that week are bought by those two boys. You could definitely have dropped that any other week when they played together, when one gave an assist to the other one. It's a whole season ahead <laughs> of you with these no, guys. No, the smirk on your job. face is just unbearable. Okay, into the midfield then. Uh, it's looking a little bit there with Rufa still not uh, having played minutes yet. Uh, I'm not sure of his, uh, of his fitness as yet. Uh, does anyone else know? Well, I mean, I think probably regardless, I think you'd say Yugakovic is an upgrade anyway. Not for pins. 
Yeah, nice. Brutal. Yeah. Okay, so Dave's vote is not not Gagovic for pens, but yeah, around the park, I think he's he's definitely um, better. His, but we also haven't seen how what his combination is with uh, Clayton Lewis. Clayton's looking pretty important at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I think him and uh, Gagovic will be starting. Certainly going off, uh, certainly going off the fact that we haven't seen uh, Rufa uh, getting minutes in his legs in preseason. So, I mean, you know what? There's still four weeks to go. They're going to have preseason games coming up, I'm sure. So, you know, maybe maybe we see Rufa in there. But um, yeah, I think Ugarovic and um, and Clayton are the starters. Well, I think the the one one man Pennington fan club on the forums would would suggest otherwise, and that Pennington is the the nail on starter in midfield. Based on. I don't, I don't do the forums. But that's lost on me. That reference is lost on me. I never go on there. So obviously there's a yeah, fan on e- there. Even if there is a fan on there, they're wrong. Uh, I, I like his work ethic. He works very hard. When he gave the ball away in those preseason games, he would run up, run very hard after the person that took it away from him. He, I think he's actually quite a decent defender in there. Like I think he wins quite a lot of ball. I think his decision-making and his passing is nowhere near as good, and that's what highlights yes. his efficiency. Yes, 100% that is exactly yeah. right. I think that's right. Even I think that's half the problem, though, right? Is the number of times he wins the ball and then pretty much immediately gives it away again kind of undoes the, the goodness of having won the ball in the first place. Um, but I will give him credit in that in that um, game he got the header off the line. That mm. was that was a, a reasonable representation of his work ethic to be the man back there on the line hitting that ball away when even the defenders weren't there shows you that he, he does get around a bit. He works hard, but yeah, if he could just pass the ball and get his head up, he probably could have done a lot better. But he just doesn't seem to be capable of that. Um, so yeah, that's not going to get him into a starting. Mm, I'd game. like to see him limiting um, his options a little more. He he seems to want to play like a, a, a bit more of a ball playing uh, defensive midfielder, and that, I don't think it's him. I mean, I, that's Clayton Lewis, but I, yeah, every time he tries to play any pass that's more than about five or five or seven yards, it seems to go astray fifty percent of the time. I, I don't know whether it's his read or just everyone else's read of him that he's just too pasty under the lights and they just can't recognise where he's looking. Who knows? But I think that it leaves a lot of problems with our depth because defensive midfield you do need you do need minutes every game out of a out of a bench player. Like I guess Laws is the next one of the next cabs in there. Is he? Um, well, I think he's probably the fourth choice. Should he be? Well, I mean, if you got Alex, if you got Rufa coming back mid season, you know, then that's sort of five players that can play in that in that spot, which is probably you know, yeah. I, I I think if he's your backup, 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 then I'm I'm less worried. But if he's getting minutes in there, I I think he's a very good athlete. Um, but I think his defensive positioning is not great. Um, he gets caught out a lot for a guy that plays centre back. I think you're likely to look at someone that's playing, possibly playing in the academy as well, like Conchi. If you're desperate, you can put bring in someone like him as well. So Sutton would be my man, but we just don't have a left full back. Right, you've got two on the books now. Moragas. Yeah. Is he or is he a right back? Yep, and he's probably going. He, he might start. No, he's a left back. He um. If, if you talk to the Jets guys, they all they all think he should have been basically their starting left back this season. They think he played a few minutes last year, was was just getting into kind of establishing himself, and then they've loaned him out. They were all kind of shocked by it, especially loaning him out to a club where he's going to start behind Sutton. You know, it's, it's if you if they loaned him out to a club where he was going to start every game for the season, I think the, the Jets fans would be less surprised by it. But a guy they felt was just breaking into their first team as a, as a young player had come up through the club and stuff, and they loan him out to somewhere where he's going to sit behind someone else. They they find it quite bizarre. Um, and to be honest, I find it a bit bizarre too. I don't know particularly why the Jets pursued it, and I'm not 100% sure why oh, we why pursued why we it. Um, we don't have depth. We, we need cover there, but... Um, yeah. So uh, it sounds basically like Sutz is the nailed on left back there. Um, who's our first-choice centre-back pairing? Oh, silence. Well, That's won. a great question. I would go Wooten and Payne, personally. I mean, Wooten's for sure, I would say. Yeah. Um, it's Alongside Payne, with. maybe Sermon off the, uh, as the third. 
in that in that group. I quite like Finn I think he's quite a good player. And I think he's going to turn into a very I, I good I think in three years he will be. Um, but he's, yeah, he's, he's, just he's young, very right? inexperienced. He makes the odd little clanger and you just like, but some really nice touches apart from that. So you reckon Wooten and Payne, do we have any differences of opinion apart from Wooten and Payne? I think if you were with Laws in there, because we know he likes his, not that he, we know he likes having a, a left-sided, a left-footed player in there as well. So yeah, you wouldn't be surprised. But who would you be picking, Dale? I'd, I'd probably say I'd probably say Payne. I think Wooten and Payne with Elliot on the right depends. I guess it really depends on how Elliot goes, right? If it, if it's Elliot from what was that COVID season where he, where he came after the, the break and he was absolutely fantastic and was nailed on starter, then then that's fine. If it's if he's struggling, I guess at mm. times in the past, then whether you shift Payne out there and then drop Laws in. I think, I, think, I think that's a big question, really, is, is who's starting right back. Trace, you've there. seen Mr. Payne a few times. Uh, who's your, I guess, combination at centre-back and right-back? Because I guess it plays in there. Yeah, I think Dale's right when he says the decision. Like, sits with the... <laughs> he's got all smug because I think he was right. Once the right-back decision's made, you can decide who you put in the centre. But I think Payne at right-back with... Wood and oh, you've gone the other way. In the centre. Is this, is this what you think Ufi's mm. going to do? This is, what, this is what Tracy would do. A little from column A, a little from column B. <laughs> that's, that's a good podcast answer. Well done. Mm, yeah, nice. nice. Um, yeah, I've, I've got to say, I like Laws as an athlete, but he just seems to get out of position a couple of times. That um, pass, that back pass for the second goal, as much as it was pain not looking, Laws was in a, a horrible position to take a uh, pass. Just wasn't there. He was way too flat. I kind of reckon that he should have been looking as an option, and he just wasn't. Um, but yeah, pain I should definitely not play left back again. That would be a really nice. Thank you. Yeah, I mean he's not. No, is he? is no, he, he isn't. He isn't. And, but he also didn't look up, and that's not, <laughs> that's not something we want. Um, so obviously Ollie Sale and goal. Uh, so if we were to be putting money on, uh, come the first A League regular game, who do we think is going to be starting front two? I think he starts Costa and probably goes with Savada. Is that right? The Polish guy. Um, and I think Krayev starts behind, but I don't, I'm not sure who starts alongside him. Um, as the because obviously he plays the you know the two two two. So who plays alongside uh, Krayev as the second of the middle two? Not sure. Generally, I don't know. I think Sus plays on the bench because he's a forward, and we can't fit three of them on the park. I think it's going to depend on how many other preseason games we squeeze in between now and the start. Because if we're only playing more local teams, I don't think Sawada's going to get a, a starting spot come first game. I think it's going to be Wayne and, and Barbarossa Sarkin. Yeah, they're not going to start him. Um, against an A-League opposition first up if he's only had like what Central League opposition if that's what they're going to play at pre-season um, Unless there's some friendlies they've got booked in uh, Are they back in New Zealand yet? You would mention they're not going to go back to Australia right so in, in the space the between now starts. and the start of the season starts, so the only option is for either and I doubt an A-League team's going to come to us for a pre-season in the next month so the only option there is to play Central League sides um, for, for pre-season between now so, and the start of the season so and to be fair, that's only in the next two weeks as well, because beyond that, those teams are going to be playing National, uh, National League. So I think they may not even get, unless it's a midweek game, that's always possible, obviously. Uh, Wednesday night out at um, Jerry Collins Stadium is always worth a trip. But yeah, if it's, um, they can't do any weekend games beyond next weekend, because they're just worried. So Trace has torpedoed Suwada. Uh, so presumably that's um, Wayne in. Uh, I guess Sass is your next obvious person, or Ben Old, maybe, uh, with Cryf and the, the other team. That's a great chat, actually. I've been old. I don't think of him. I think he he may get quite a few minutes. In he that he might. I'm, I'm just a bit worried. About his form wasn't good in the minutes I saw him playing preseason, but uh, hopefully in the um, behind-closed-door games, he's got a bit more time and uh, loosened up a little bit. He, 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 he's a really tough one to like pin down, because he does these really good driving runs from midfield, and 
but then they never mm. they never lead to anything or they're like you know he like overplays it maybe gets a little bump falls over or or i think was it one of the, in one of the last um cup games it just like got to a good point and just launched it about six stories above the above the crossbar so there's like something in there but it's just not quite the not it, quite there i think it's got the start of what Sapret had without the finish of what Sapret had because Sapret still also liked to do, do those runs you know yeah. and defenses but he had a finished product where he had a pass and he yeah. always picked those out really really well and i guess that's maybe what ben old's missing it, it feels like maybe ben old hasn't had quite the minutes under his belt to to kind of figure out just that last touch, what that last touch is, that last option. I, I hope he does, because I think he's got some ability, but um, maybe uh, beginning of the season. Uh, so Agarkovic and uh, Clayton behind that. No yeah, Pennington yeah, fans so. in the crowd. Uh, <laughs> and we think that Ufi will start Laws and Wooten as centre-backs? Or... Yeah, Laws and Wooten or Payne and Wooten. It'll be that the two of those three will start, and Wooten will be one of them. So, Do we yeah. want to start putting predictions on this season? Yeah, it's too, too far away. <laughs> oh, you're all cowards. I'm actually vaguely hopeful about this. I, I think that at worst we'll look good losing. See, I having watched that man, uh, the Man City, having watched the City game, I genuinely thought we looked really good and we could have a great season on our hands. But then watching MacArthur, where the final third was just awful, um, and I mean awful, then. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm really reticent to believe we'll do do particularly well, but I think we'll make the playoffs. How's that? Tail end of. Right. Um, we should carry on and get into the other side of the draw. We're finally going to see uh, the women's team playing in New Zealand, and it's a big, big season this year. Obviously, with the uh, women's World Cup coming up as well. Uh, so we should probably go over. I, unfortunately, I haven't got the uh, players that have left, but the signings are. Uh, Lily Allfield, Mackenzie Barry, Brianna Edwards, Betsy Hassett, Paige Satchel. Kate Taylor, Zoe McMeekin, Grace Wisniewski, Ava Pritchard, Marissa Vandermeer, Isabel Gomez, Chloe Knott, and Alyssa Wynnum. Uh, notable exception, I think, uh, is... Grace Jarley, who left. Good to have yeah. Cameron, didn't she, I think. She did, I think. But then, but then they almost immediately picked up Paige Satchel, which is... Um... Yeah, there, there's some, an interesting mix. We, we've gone from being a very, very, very young team to just a very young team. There's a bit of A-League experience coming back. Uh, Obviously, um, as you say, Paige Satchel, that is a massive get for the team, I think. Satchel and Betsy Hassett, mate, they're they huge, huge signings. Absolutely enormous signings for a squad which really did lack uh, last season for experience. One third. Um, it was... Getting well, getting someone like Betsy Hassett, who I don't know how many giant games she's played you know, for the ferns off the top of my head, but she's played a profession, been a professional for a long time and played in some good leagues around the world. She's a very, very good footballer, and what she can bring to the squad off the field is going to be just as important as she brings on it as well. Yeah, it's a very good call. I think that it makes someone like Alyssa Winnem behind them as well. It gives you the opportunity to get a little more space. If you've got Betsy Hassett and uh, Paige Satchel around you, the, the defences are actually going to have to work pretty hard to keep them quiet, I think, this year. That uh, midfield I still find a little bit concerning and behind the, the front third. At the moment, we've only got 13 players signed, uh, so there's still a bit to come, but it's all the New Zealand players. I think they've reached their limit. Is that right? Yeah, I think they've got, they've got to sign a few more Aussies, at least another six Aussies, I think. Um, they have to have it. I think they have to have at least seven. Brianna um, Edwards, my understanding, she's a, a, got an Aussie passport. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah so she counts as one. Yeah, yeah. So but basically, one. everyone else has uh, got a Kiwi passport. Uh, is, Isabel Gomez has she got an Aussie passport as well? Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't totally sure, but she's she's based over in Oz or has been for a while, so I'm not too sure. Uh, Marissa Vandermeer is a player that I have not really come across except by name. Uh, I think she was under twenties um, football fern. Uh, that's an interesting signing. She's uh, obviously been picked up most recently. 
another another forward, I believe, which is we seem to have signed a lot of defenders and a lot of forwards, and the midfield seems to be a little shallow at the moment. That, that could be a plan. Like that midfield, it feels like that is the case, right? They're planning on picking up some of those good Australians to fill the midfield. You've got to think they're in the same boat we are, where the World Cup is at home for them. There's a lot of players that are going to want to play here to put themselves in the frame for the uh, Matildas as well as for the Ferns. So there's going to be some decent players that we should be able to pick up to fill that kind of space. My, my Googling tells me Isabel Gomez is both a Colombian actress and an Australian footballer. So. That's a good side hustle. So that's two. We've got two Australians. I think I don't. I don't think we're going to be uh, wanting for talent, available talent, in at all from Australia, because there's so many players that are going to want to put themselves in that shot window for the materials. So it's yeah. not going to be a problem. I I agree, but I can see it also being the young mm. players and maybe not the experience that we would like, yeah, because you've got so many of those Australian players who are playing in England and playing in the USA, so they're not going to come back. Just you know, they're already sort of in the frame. So it's those people that are coming through the NPL, the younger players who will be in the mix for those spots. And, you know, we're already quite a young side, so do we want more of that, I guess, is the question. The other thing is, is there's another women's team with Western United entering the season as well, so there's a bit more competition for the talent as such. Um, yeah, for, for me, because it's a semi-professional league, uh, it's a big ask to get someone as a semi-pro to, to shift countries and go somewhere else, kind of start again. It's not like, you know, they're going to be earning 200k over here and just can kind of easily uproot and, and settle in. I mean, to me, that's that's the tougher get. You know, a lot of the a lot of these players are going to be playing um, either in their hometown or maybe two or three hours away from their hometown, as opposed to in another country. I think that, that it's going to be very tough to commit someone. I, I think Tracy's right. I think we're going to struggle to get players apart from younger players who are willing to take that um, risk but that in combination with that I mean the we've seen that back line it looks very talented and it's got it's going to go places eventually but it is very very young yeah. and, and you know you, you look on the on the men's side and how we've struggled to, to pick up you know the top level Australian players for the Phoenix men's side it's it's you know um, you can't imagine it's pretty going to be pretty similar for the women's side in terms of having to travel you know lots and live in a different yeah. country and whatnot so yeah, I'm, any I'm any other season, I'd agree. Any other season, I'd agree. I think this season with that World Cup at the end, we're going to have more of an opportunity. Uh, but any other season, yes, I totally agree. We'd struggle to attract the top of the talent, top talent Australians here. Uh, I, yeah. I think you're right in that this season, our chances will be better. I still don't think the chances are that good. Um, I think it's it's good that we picked up some of that New Zealand experience because I agree. I think we're going to have to be picking up the kind of second tier or younger Aussies because they're going to want to play in the big name teams. Um, and the big name teams are going to want them because they equally struggle to bring some of those Australian Australian players back at times. So this season, there's going to be more of them going around, but most of them are going to want to play in the Aussie teams. Uh, that's just a reality. And I think it's going to be a challenge for our squad as well. You know, they're, they're a very young squad and we know it was tough for them last year as well. But this year, you're going to throw travel into the mix that they just weren't contending with last year. It'll be it'll have the, the payoff of having a home crowd as well, which they didn't really get. But it is going to be a whole new travel schedule. We've seen with the men's side, you know, that, that travel can impact away results. You know, it's it's tough. It's a long trip. It's a lot of extra stress and a lot of extra bullshit to add to your week. And they're going to have to deal with that when they weren't dealing with that before. It's the, it's also throwing in, you throw in the, I think in Australia where they're all living together as well. And you've got the environment now where more of the New Zealand-based players are probably living, you know, I guess people are living in different places now. So they're not all grouped together. So you've got the travel, you've got the young players, you've got, living different living arrangements you've just sort of completely flipped their world on its head i guess um so it'll be tough for them um you know mentally emotionally um as well as physically because god knows those flights must be hell plus you've got the added stress of work you know (laughs) you're probably flying sooner than the men's team would because the men's don't have to worry about 
you know, getting back for work on Monday sort of thing. So you've got that added pressure. It just kind of feels like a, a huge pressure cooker environment. Uh, but. How many of these players are actually holding down jobs? Because I know a lot of them are quite young and that was the, the benefit of such young players being in Oz. They didn't have to hold down a job. Based on local local football, there's some good money being being paid for coaching uh, at club level. So maybe someone can pick up some uh, some. Oh, nice little dig, Dale. I like that. Scoring points and dropping bombs. For me, just the concern is on the field. Uh, I look at the uh, their ability to progress the ball last year was re- they really struggled because they they didn't really have the gas out on the outside and they didn't have someone to be picking up crosses or anything. And if they're going to be playing through the middle, but we don't have kind of a settled midfield and we're looking to pick up, uh, I hate to use the term odds and sods from Australia to fill those starting spots, I find it really concerning. And I, I, I know that I really want them to be successful this year because it's that first year. It's kind of that benchmark. Um, I obviously take my son down to football on Saturday mornings. In the grade below him, the first kicks grade, there are now more girls playing than boys in the grade. And they're also the ones that turn up when it's raining. And I'm kind of like, I wonder how much of that was you know, the, the women's team playing and just that visibility. Obviously, it's co- correlation, not causation. But I'm also mindful of like what happens if they start getting absolutely battered, you know? Do we do we lose the, the benefits? Do we lose the kick on benefits for the World Cup as well, or is that just yeah. a, a side issue? I think it was there last year. I think they I think as a unit though they defended pretty well. There's a couple of teams that sort of blew them out of the water as as you'd expect, right? But I think where they struggled was that sort of creating chances. Um, but I think maybe this year with the with Page up front, give it a bit more a bit more pace, a bit more chance to get them behind um, gives us maybe a bit more different element um so i don't expect us to score a bunch of goals but i don't also i just want to throw in a bit more positivity like totally get everyone's concerns but i think also we've had a season now um albeit completely different to the one we're going to experience now but we've had a season we've got players now who understand what it's like to be in a semi-professional environment um who, who they're going to play against the kind of teams that you know the formations and the teams that we've played so there is that extra layer of experience so i think we also can expect more from them this year because we have had, you know, they've had that year to go and to start. So, and without having seen, um, I mean, 13 players is, is not really much to go on. Um, and we haven't seen any preseason. We don't know what that schedule looks like and all of those sorts of things. So I think we're very much in the early stages and I'd be hesitant to be too negative just at this point. They're not, they're not even back in training yet. You know, they haven't actually started training at all. Um, we've also had Gemma's had another a full season. Um coaching at this kind of level and doing not just you know the the fern stuff and the fdo stuff she's used to actually working in a professional environment on a day-to-day basis she's got that under her belt too there's a lot of positives coming into this season not not the least being they're playing in front of their own fans they're going to have their own fans sitting in front of that uh, in, the, in that stadium that are going to cheer them on which they didn't have and have never experienced so that's going to be a massive positive as well so if, if they I, I go into this thinking actually then we're not going to get smashed we didn't really get smashed last season that's like we were holding our own we didn't win we didn't score a lot of goals but we weren't great grossly outplayed in all the games that we played either and this season's going to be a step up from that and they've had a, they've had, they're going to have a proper preseason than, the, than they did last year right like last yeah, year true. was very much thrown in the pot last very year quick, mate. Yeah, um, very quick yeah and i'm sure these players would have been given you know even though they've only recently signed i'm sure lots of them would have known that they were probably would have been picked up again and would have had off seasons planned and stuff like that and have come to world cups as well having said all that though i'm just looking at the calendar it's early september their season i think from my understanding mm-hmm. is supposed to be november start so you'd think that sometime soon they should probably start kicking a ball around i mean i'm no expert but you'd think that should be in the plans right like to get a proper pre-season in. yeah i don't i don't think they're going to get the same sort of length of pre-season as you see in the, the men's side right i think the that's probably true of the kind of the old W League teams as well, and I think it's just the the nature of the there not being as much money flowing around in that um 
that women's game yet. I'd love to. I'd love to see you know more sponsors coming on board and that kind of stuff. But it's it's a double edged sword, right? Because there's there's not so much money to go around to to pay them to be in that position. But because there's not as much money, the the players actually generally want a shorter preseason because they do have to work. You know, the rest of the year. Um, for a lot of them, what they do, um, to my understanding, is that the period of the season, you know, they don't work, which means you take take say four months off work, and the other eight you work really really hard. Um, and that's how they that's how they support it. So if you've got a two or three month long preseason, it eats into your you know your main breadwinner role. Um, whatever that might be, so I think it'll be a tough one. But I think I think they go into the season with no expectation on them, which I think is actually really good. No one's expecting them to win this league, and I think they will do better than they did last year. I think all, all the things are there in terms of a stronger squad, more prep time, some experience under their belts. I think broadly speaking, we should be able to go in there and, and pick up a few results. I think you know there's, there's a bit of a gulf between some of the teams in that league and, and others, and I think they'll probably still put us to the sword to some extent. But I think we'll be good enough to pick up some results off the others and, and do ourselves reasonably proud in a few games, which would be great. Dale, did you have some? Uh, yeah, I was just I was just going to say that you know based on my my scanning of of various clubs' social media, I think we're probably ahead of the pack in terms of signings as well. Like I don't think any other clubs have. No, to, to be fair, I think with the World Cup, we've we've had that in for a little while. And Gemma working within New Zealand football, she's probably got um, contacts there. So you're right that that is good. Um, and the other the other big talking point about it, right, is we haven't seen a draw yet. Um, and, and it's going to be really interesting to see what that looks like. Obviously, we've, we've got a men's draw out. We, we've got hints that, you know, these, these women's games will also be played at, at Westpac Stadium. Um, there'll be some double headers, you'd really hope. How many? What happens to the games when they're not double headers? Are they still at Westpac? I, I believe the answer is yes, but we don't we don't have that sort of stuff confirmed. You know, will we see a double header at Eden Park, for example, is a really interesting question. So stuff like that will be simultaneously good to see because um, it could give them some really good exposure and some, you know, some extra stuff there. But it also, you know, the, the, the draw could be tough this year. We're not... We're not really set up for this, and who knows what the Phoenix are thinking in terms of what will work versus what will actually work. You know, the men's side we've had to play with kickoff times and days and figure out what actually works. And I think the same is going to be true for the women in terms of getting the best kind of crowd experience, but also the best kind of match experience in general for the for the players too. Yeah, it sounds like their their first game is going to be a standalone game at the stadium, which I think is an excellent decision because it gives a, yeah. a, a breathing space, a platform for the team themselves. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting that the kind of shift to three pm. Sunday games and or Saturday games and, and you suspect that probably be quite similar for on the, on the women's side as well if, if it's not a big deal for the for the men's and the broadcasting revenue then it's probably not going to be the difficult for the, for the women's games to, to also be at a, at a family friendly time and with the um, men's team actually taking a break for the World Cup and that coinciding with the pretty close to the start of the women's season as well um, that may put them more in the limelight especially at a time when people are looking specifically at football as well yeah i do like the idea of um that first game being a standalone one so at least they you know they get to realize that the crowd is is there for them not just they're an add-on um but in saying that i really like the idea of double headers going forward i i i want to see big crowds for both teams my concern like this is obviously a bit um a bit selfish of me but you know the idea of trying to go out for two games in a weekend you know one on Saturday, Sunday, one in Parua, one in Wellington or whatever, that I find problematic. And I wonder if that, you know, if we force fans to have to decide between which game they're going to, I, I worry that it will um, take a toll on the crowds for the women's games. Trace? You would imagine, you would imagine though, that they'd schedule it so that um, they wouldn't both be playing at home. You know, if they're both playing at home in a weekend, you'd suggest that they would have pushed for it to be a double header, not a Saturday, Sunday. So it would more likely be that if the men are away, then the woman would be at home and sort of vice versa. I know, I know, and these organisations don't really have that much logic. I, I couldn't possibly comment. I, I um, think 
And if you're looking at looking at the men's draw, the men's draw is three o'clock kickoffs on a Sunday. That means either women or the guys are going to be kicking off at midday our time, which would be 10 a.m. of Australian time, and that's not going to be something that will fly with uh, broadcasters. Or it's going to be 6 p.m. our time, which seems much more likely, but not necessarily as good for having a, a younger audience coming in. Uh, watching the game so I don't think there's an easy answer there with those games coming in at three but it's workable either way is workable yeah and I think as well we do have some experience in history with double headers right and the, the crowds weren't great when we had the the national league side playing before them right lots of lots of people didn't show up until the main event so to some extent I actually like the idea of the double headers having the women's game after because I do think you might have more than a few people who'd show up to watch the the men's game have a few beers and stick around until a bit later in the evening to at least catch a decent chunk of the women's game uh, which would be really nice to see but I think I think convincing your average punter to come out three hours early for the women's game will be a tough sell but you're already in the stadium before you had a couple of beers might not be that hard to stick to convince some of those to stick around. Obviously, the proposition is different for families and that, but I, I I don't really care who the fans are so long as we get fans in the stands for that, and hopefully a good proportion of, of like young girls there building into that World Cup as well. Yeah, I just hope that it's not there's not a, you know a pure reliance on those double headers being people staying Agreed. for that. Like I think the whole idea, and I've spoken to some people about this, um, is to get like a woman's support group. Uh, that sounds the wrong supporters group not a women's support group um, a women's supporters group so fat, they don't want to capitalize per se on the the hangover fans you know the, the people who like the men's game are going to be there and they will just translate but they want to get their own audience to come in so those people will be coming in for that six o'clock match only and not not necessarily worried about that 3pm men's match so i think that's that's something that we need to think about as well i guess um and I think, I think we all want to see that. And I think that's something we I would love to get to. But the cynic in me says you've got to start from somewhere, right? And that much as I want to see it develop its own its own culture and its own chants and its own kind of traditions, which I, I hope does happen, the, the key starter has got to be just bodies in the stadium. And I think I think that those first few double headers and potentially even this whole season, we don't know how many home games we're going to have, for example. But, you know, you've got to start somewhere. And I think bodies in the stadium has to be the first port of call. And then the culture will develop from there. I mean, you know, we look at the, we look at the yellow fever and how it's developed the the kind of nexus of it was a lot of, you know, just English football lads turning up wanting to use the same chance they'd always used forever. And and while there are elements of that, it, it, our own thing has developed from that, but it needs to start from somewhere, right? And I think it's going to be the same here where you do need something to start from. And if that needs to be your fans who were there for the men's game and have hung around, I think there's not a problem with that, but you do need to develop your own identity from there. And I really hope that happens um, and happens really well. With that, um, is there any, I've um, heard mention that there is, some people trying to get a little more organised. Do you see that they'd maybe contacted you, Trace? Yeah, so I've had some chats with um, so, some of the people, um, some women, um, one based in New Zealand, one based in Australia, um, who are looking to set up something. Um, I don't want to say like the LFE because <laughs> they don't want to do that, um, but they want to set up their own active support for the women. So um, I think that's really important. Um, I don't know how I can help that or support that or, or we can support that um, because I also think it's really important to that the, the fan base shouldn't just be women. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think that's, that's also super important that it's not just about getting women to the game. Like, yes, that's obviously an amazing thing, but we still need that, the support from everybody in the community to support that team. Um, but that's kind of out of my hands at the moment. Um, I'm introducing um, those people that I've contacted with the Phoenix so they can build a relationship there as well. So, um, Fingers crossed, yeah. eh? Um, so with our fingers crossed uh, I'm going to go around the room put you on the spot and see how hopeful you are for the men's team and the women's team this season purely on the field I don't want to get into the off the field stuff Uh, Dale you're first up how hopeful Uh, reasonably is that an answer that's a general reasonably for both teams yeah I think so I think um, I think yeah the women's side I think we'll do better we might 
yeah, I don't think we'll finish last um, inside. Oh, so it's, I won't put you on the spot for, for places, Dale. I think reasonably is, is a good answer. Uh, Trace? Yeah, I'm pretty hopeful. To, to be honest, it's way too early for me to, to get any level of hope um, because, because I feel so disconnected. Um, but once we start seeing... I don't know, the team around the city, I'll, I'll start and build that hype and that will build the hope, hype I think. Hype hope. There's a saying. That's, that's my new catchphrase, guys. Uh, Dave, how about you? Yeah, I, it's hard to quantify, as we've seen from the, the first two answers of reasonably <laughs> and pretty. Um, but I'll, I'll say I'm more hopeful than I was last season on both fronts. I think the men's, the men's team, I'm more hopeful because I think the squad looks pretty darn good. I like the look of the signings. We don't know for sure how they're going to go, but the signs the signs are good. And I think having them home is going to be so important um, compared to the last few seasons. You know, It was getting tough. Um, as a fan to support that, you know, you, you, you did have that disconnect that Tracy alluded to, you know, it was really hard and we're, we're going to finally have them back. Do I think we're going to win the bloody league? I don't know, but it's going to be nice to have them back. I think the squad looks good. And so I'm more hopeful than last year. And I think the same is true of the girls, you know, we can have the, the first women's A-League game in, in New Zealand. That's going to be fantastic. The squad from what we see so far, looks like it should be stronger than last year. We've got experience under our belt. So yeah, again, more hopeful than last year, but it's hard to see, how hopeful I was last year on both fronts because it felt like a deep, dark pit. Um, so whether there was any hope in there, I don't know, but there probably was a little bit at this, at this sort of time last year. Uh, but by the by the end of the season, it felt it felt. How hard. about you, Cam? You're normally Mr. Optimism. Yeah, I think we're going to do really well. Um, I think the women, the bar for the women's team is obviously uh, to do better than they did last year. So that's points and results-wise and performance-wise. I'm not particularly concerned about them getting up near the... Um, the playoffs or anything like that but if they improve on the performance which i believe they will uh, for last year especially leading into the world cup it will build on the hype and you know that'll all look really really good uh the men's team i think they look uh, they look good i'm quite excited about uh, seeing them play i'm really excited about getting back to the stadium and watching football and i think the closer we get to the season the more that excitement builds they've got the seasonal launches coming up in a couple of weeks which is really really exciting you go we've got a new kit coming out there's all all sorts of things coming up you know in the next month leading up to that game which is just going to help build that engagement because engagement has been so hard for the last two seasons I'm just, yeah, I'm just very, very excited about the whole, you know, football coming back home again. It's going to be brilliant. That was some good hype, Cam. You can always rely on Cam to just Thanks. build the hype. Um, Honestly, I'm just, I'm just genuinely excited to be going to watch football when we haven't been able to do it for yeah, so I, long. I've, got to... you know, I've pre- been watching football every weekend, Cam. Be more specific. So, so has Cam. It is not the same. It's not the same, and you know it's not the same. It's not the same as going to the stadium with your mates to watch it in the grandstands and, and have a few drinks and have a laugh and sing and whatever and bitch and moan and let your hair down and you know have a, have a good time. It's not the same as going along and standing on the sidelines and watching, you know, photographing professional footballers doing what they do best at a level that I could never ever achieve in my life. And you know that there's there's you know Central League and uh, Prem's. I love going along and watching that stuff. Don't get me wrong, but you know this is. A step above, and this is why we pay our money and you know get excited about football in general. So this is this is exciting. Uh, terrifyingly enough, I'm more in Cam's boat than I am uh, in the darkness that I was last season. I mean, I guess that's why Dale managed to coax me out of retirement. Uh, was I was actually feeling slightly <laughs> positive about football and having seen some more on TV and seeing some yellow and black, well, yellow strips running around um, has made me even more hopeful. And just the honestly, the way the, the women's team played last year uh, was phenomenal. I'm super. Super excited to see the women's team play here. Uh, the the guts and determination they played with, with everything against them, the idea that they could have a crowd behind them as well. I reckon that should be really, really cool. Um, so we're going to wrap it up there. This has been the first episode of uh, Fever FM. I even got the name right, Dale. So I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Sorry for a little bit rusty. It's been uh, it's been a long time, but hopefully it's been a good time. We'll catch you next time.
Phoenix City.